Super Talk Mississippi media production. Kickstart your adventure now with a new Gud Golf Cart from Country Carts of Brookhaven. Gud Golf Carts are assembled right here in Mississippi with the best features around. And best of all, they're street legal. Country Carts of Brookhaven, 401 Highway 51 South, phone 601-748-0454. What is up on a Friday? Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us whenever and wherever you may be listening. Um... Busy show today. A lot of general news, really not. I mean, we'll get into some old Miss stuff. We'll get into some baseball, some basketball, but some Will Wade on a wiretap. We've got Antonio <laughs> Brown. We've got some other things. Colin, how are you? Good, my man. How are you? Making it, dude. Making it. Need this Red Bull to go down a little quicker, and I'll kind of wake up. But doing well. Glad it's Friday. You, Busy you're week. You're 24 tomorrow. Right? I I turn 24 Is tomorrow. Did it hit you? Um. Let me tell you, 25 hit me. I went and had a beer with a buddy on a square last night, and he was like, so are you 24 or 25? And I said, 24. And I think he's 25, and he was like, wait till next year. And I was like, <laughs> great. Glad I have so much to look forward to. Um, so it's one of those where you like, – like, obviously, 24, you're not old yet. 25, you're not old, if we're being honest. But, like, it sounds bad because yeah, you're yeah. halfway 20, to 30. Birthdays after 21 are worthless. But 24 is just one of those ones that's weird to say because I still feel like – like I just turned twenty one in some right. ways. Still act like it in some ways too. Probably Did need you to still have class probably need to Monday, shore that up. Yeah, that's probably that probably doesn't help things either is that I'm still going to class every day. Cause like I'll walk through the parking lot with like and I'll be walking to class and like I'll see like girls with like sorority shirts on and dudes <laughs> with like fraternity letters and I'm just like, What am I doing? Like <laughs> how am I still here? And then like occasionally like I'll see people I know that were younger than me in college out at the bar and they're like, So uh you still trying to graduate? I'm like, no, man. I'm in a master's program. I'm not still trying to finish up on. I'm a super, super senior. Thanks. Yeah, I was like, I probably should just start telling people that. Yeah, failed some marketing classes. Got to, kicked out yeah, once. Got the wrong test bank, so I'm a little behind. Um, <laughs> test bank save lives. Yeah, marketing. Not to offend anyone listening with a business marketing degree at Ole Miss, but if you can read a test bank, you can get a degree. Um, oh God! Off the rails already. So. Where do you want to start? Do you want to do Antonio Brown or Will Wade? We might as well start with Will Wade. I think that's a little bit more fat. Yeah, so my my colleague Colin – not your Colin Brister. My colleague Michael Borky has dubbed Will Wade Willie Wiretap. Um, and I think he's <laughs> so filing a for a trademark acronym. on that. I think it's a pretty solid nickname too. Yeah. So – it comes out yesterday that well, you knew what you knew for we knew for five six months that Will Wade and Sean Miller, Arizona's coach, were supposedly recorded talking to Christian Dawkins yeah. on a wiretap, but you didn't know what was said. And now we know what's said. You know what was said. Well, Sean Miller slept well last night. Yeah, I, I imagine honestly, honestly, with the way like, they can go as deep as this as they really want, if you think about it. So I imagine there was probably thirty or forty oh, coaches yeah. that didn't actually sleep well. Granted. Outside of the five or six that the FBI zeroed in on, you know, most of them are probably going to skate. I mean, you could because you could go as deep as you want with this. Or legally, they might skate, but yeah. So I mean, so <laughs> if NCAA, a lot, to, a lot to unpack here. So we'll start out with. Yeah, well, we need, so, probably need to address what happened. So did you read the Yahoo story? Yeah, yeah, yeah where he made a strong ass deal. Yeah, so Will Wade, my first reaction was, Will Wade paying recruits or orchestrating payments to recruits sounds exactly what I thought Will Wade orchestrating payments man, to recruits sounds like. Man, so, look, that five-star from Connecticut, he just liked Baton Rouge and, and its cuisine. So I'm, I'm, pulling up, I'm pulling up the quote here, <laughs> uh, or some of the quotes, because you had a couple – I saw a couple LSU people 
on Twitter, which like Twitter, not real life. You know, anybody with an opinion can shout it on Twitter. But you had a couple like like reputable people trying to say that uh, this is like you don't know what he was referring to. Someone was <laughs> defending it as he was talking about playing time. Yeah, he was, so, was going to let him start, and the kid's not starting. So, so. <laughs> let me let me let me run this by and let me. You can decide as to whether you think this is talking about playing time. <laughs> Here we go. The problem was, I know why he didn't take it now. It was bleeping tilted toward the family a little bit. It was tilted towards taking care of the mom, taking care of the kid, like it was tilted towards that. Now I know for a fact that he didn't explain everything to the mom. I know he didn't get enough piece of the pie in the deal. That doesn't sound like a guy going from 20 to 30 minutes a night. Yeah, uh, he's taking care of his mom by, by starting him. Because without starting, his mom was going to die. It was a bleeping hell of a bleeping offer. Didn't he say it was a strong? At the start yeah, of it, he yeah. says strong ass offer. Yeah. Then at the end, he says it was a bleeping hell of a bleeping offer. To which Dawkins replied, "Okay." And <laughs> okay. so yeah. And then ESPN had a report that added to it afterwards. Oh, I see this. So ESPN had a report that added to it, and Will Wade was caught on the wiretap saying he was going to pay Smart more than the NBA veteran minimum. <laughs> I don't think okay, there's so, an NBA veteran minimum for playing time. <laughs> I mean, there might be. I don't Vince, think Carter, Vince Carter's still getting minutes. I don't think there's a minutes minimum, though. I don't <laughs> think you have to play play rookies. So that argument's kind of squashed. Yeah. So. If you're LSU, what do you do? Because if I'm LSU, I just ignore it. You don't exist. I'm going to go play with my team in the, in the NCAA tournament. Well, that's what they're doing, and I kind of admire oh, them I for do that. Too. Because they know that he's not going to be put on the witness stand before the national championship in April. So they're basically kind of just, like Richard described it pretty well yesterday, they're basically just waving their middle fingers in the air. And they're like, I mean, when you vacate this, our fans are going to remember it happened, assuming exactly. they win the I national championship, which they very well could. So, like, whatever they win, like, they're just going to be like. Now, here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too big of a conspiracy theorist, but it would not shock me in March if they don't get calls, because I feel like the NCAA is not going to want that team in the Final Four. Yeah, but hey, man, look, you, you look at the teams last year. Arizona and Auburn didn't get out of the first weekend. Well. No, Arizona, Arizona got destroyed by, by March. What Buff, a bu- really good Buffalo yeah. team, and Auburn once they lost. Um, Macklemore. Macklemore was but just still, done. Man, I, I just, I don't think that team's going to do much in the tournament unless they overcome a lot. I think they're talented enough; they can beat anyone in the country. I think they're going to make a deep run. I think this thing is so widespread that the NCAA doesn't necessarily want to touch it because there's so many schools implicated in this that if you start trying to keep schools out of like the final four that are implicated in this you're going to end up with a bunch of crappy teams yeah my favorite part of yesterday was the uh self-righteous duke kentucky and north carolina fans that this would never happen at their program see that's my favorite part about this is that because coach k and his jet black hair at 70 years old was up there about when this first came out saying that this was not the norm in college basketball and this doesn't happen everywhere. It's like, really, man? So one of like my favorite aspect of all this is basically Christian Dawkins is going to prison. He knows he's going to prison, and he doesn't feel like he was protected, so he's basically instructed his attorney to go scorched earth. So basically what they're doing is at this trial that he's facing, they're going to call as many witnesses as possible, i.e. college basketball yeah. coaches, to just peel back the their, – I'm using their words here – peel back the curtain on this whole thing. So – Basically, what happens is if you're confused because it's a it's a really convoluted story with yeah. a lot of layers to it. But basically, what's happening now is Christian Dawkins, who, who I don't remember who Christian Dawkins works for. Adidas uh, is it not? 
I think so. He's the middle guy in all of this yes. and helps orchestrate the payments. And so Christian Dawkins is going to prison. He knows some, he's going to prison. Some people actually got sentenced to prison time the other day, too. Yeah, and some of them are facing a second trial. And I think oh, Dawkins really? has already been sentenced. Like, Dawkins already knows he's been sentenced. And I'm pretty sure this is a separate trial. Yeah, so Dawkins was hit with a new indictment. Um, <laughs> so he's already facing prison time. So he's time. bringing everybody down with him. Yes, and he's facing more. And so basically what's happening here is he doesn't feel like he was protected by anybody, which he wasn't, but who's going to protect him? Like, you're going to lose your job if you do. So basically what he's instructed his attorney to do is just go completely scorched earth. So they're going to use this trial to expose as many people as possible in the form of witnesses, because you can lie to the NCAA. You cannot lie in a court of law. That would be called perjury. Um, Yeah, you can, (laughs) but you're going to prison if you do. Agreed. So, like... I'm trying to figure out who I would want to see on the stand. Like, I got to want to see Coach K. I want to see K. Yeah. You know, shocker here, the guy with hair dye at seven years old, see, everything may not be what it seems. Okay, so everybody's going to say, oh, Calipari. I don't want Calipari to get in trouble because Calipari just knows what's up. He's that not going to sit there and lie to you. That guy is such a – I don't mean this in a bad way. He's kind of a snake oil salesman in terms of like how he talks and schmoozes people, that guy could get on the stand in 10 minutes and they would close the case and assume everything was fine, I think, if Cal got on the stand. <laughs> like, If you ask Cal off the record, are you paying recruits, Cal would be like, yeah. <laughs> well, his whole deal is like, I want to have kids like have a better life. Like, He'd be pretty open about it. I think – I'm trying to think who – You know what would fix this, though, if we paid kids? See, I had an argument with someone about this last night. How about if you really don't want to orchestrate a thing to pay the kids? Why not just let the black market operate on it, its, it own its and thing. everything would go away? Of course, I guess because it's against federal law is probably part of it. But it's not really. Like the, the, the entire case here, which is so – one, see, this is what bothers me about it, is one, how does the FBI not have bigger fish to fry? Like you've got a president locked up in scandal, which I'm not even really – I'm not going to get political here, but my point being is they're much bigger fish to fry. You got dudes on Wall Street gaming the system, and you're going to worry about college yeah, basketball. We're, we're calling these universities victims, which is hilarious to me. Well, that's the whole thing. That's what makes this whole thing a sham. Is that the 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 whole crux in this is the entire case that I, I can't remember if it's the Southern or Eastern District of New York, New York that's prosecuting yeah. that's prosecuting this thing. Their whole case is propped up on the fact that the schools are victimized by this because these guys and shoe companies and Nike and a Adidas and things are steering kids to schools, which victimize and steering kids to certain schools to sign with shoe companies, which victimizes the school, which is a joke. How? What, in what way is the school actually victimized here? Because they're getting uh, tainted kids, and and the assistant coaches are getting kickbacks. I think that was the biggest issue: was the assistant coaches getting kickbacks. But that's not that's not victimizing. Oh, the agreed. School. Agreed completely. No, I I know everyone with a with a rational brain understands the school is not actually being victimized. But like, I don't understand how they're going to make that argument in a court of law. I mean, obviously they already have, and it works. Yeah. But like, so you're going to have a supposedly in the upcoming months, you're going to have a bunch of coaches called to a witness stand in a court of law, which. I wish I could be in there because this is going be to be awful. surreal. Like it, 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 you're taking the essence of college basketball recruiting and caught in what's been going on for years and years and years, and calling it a federal crime. <laughs> Does this somehow translate to football? Because breaking kids get paid there too. No, because I don't think there's any third party involved steering kids to schools in the sense that it's like money like giving like a, a booster giving kid money to be like hey come play football here is not fraud right, right so i think with that the absence of a 
I don't know if it's called a third party because a booster is a third party, but yeah. The absence of an outside body or an outside entity or business steering kids to do certain things, I don't think. I don't think that can. I don't think this can spill over to football. I do wonder if it changes the football landscape and, and how people operate. Um, I'm going to bet there's less people calling their version of Barney Farrar on university cell phones orchestrating payments. If that's what you mean, t- t- telling them that they had a deal in place. Yeah. So. <laughs> Honestly, it is. I, I I I saw someone bring up a pretty good point yesterday, and I, I can't remember who it was. So if you're happen to be listening, and I'm ripping your point, sorry. Um, it's honestly as lucky as LSU has been on the court this year, and they're a good team, but they've had a lot of fortunate luck well, yeah. in overtime games. It is honestly quite unlucky that Will Wade gets popped on a wiretap because they weren't investigating Will Wade; they're investigating Christian Dawkins, right? And it just he, he happens to get up. popped on a wiretap while they're investigating him. That's not really the most fortunate time because how many coaches like I'm sure the FBI was investigating this for a good while, but like how many coaches had past engagements with Christian Dawkins, but say hadn't like spoken to him in a year or went you know did their business elsewhere that are skating simply because they hadn't talked to yeah, Christian for, Dawkins in a while. Timing. Yeah, so pretty unfortunate timing. I don't necessarily feel bad for Will Wade. No, I don't either. Did you see the video yesterday when he was asked by the pool porters at LSU? Uh-huh. Did you see this? Okay, so he asked. I don't know where they were, but after the report comes out, he takes questions from media. And well, he, I, res- I do respect him for that because most coaches would have ran an out. Well, yeah. I think it might have been pre-orchestrated. Oh, okay. Like I think it may have been a regular availability. I don't know where it was because it wasn't in their basketball gym. It didn't look like. But he's standing there in LSU T-shirt, just standing there awkwardly in front of some cameras. And um, somebody asked him a question. He said, I haven't read the report yet. And after about two or three questions where he said, basically says, you know, I don't know. I haven't read the report yet. One of the reporters goes, well, it's not good. <laughs> so, you know he's lying through his teeth. Yeah. Too. So, like, thanks for dropping dropping that bit well, of knowledge Well, it's not good. Yeah. So. They've got you on a wiretap, Will. Yeah. So <laughs> things. Yeah. That's just that's such a classic response. Does he go to prison? No, I, I don't think so. I okay. All right, all right. Does he coach a uh, NCAA basketball team after this year? I go no. Oh no, he doesn't go to prison though because they're out to get the one, the shoe guys, the Christian Dawkins right. of the world, and the assistants that got kickbacks. So yeah. none of the co- coaches are actually doing this themselves. So I don't think any of the head coaches are going to prison. Um, something I brought up on radio yesterday is every what everyone's missing here is one. This was always going to be different. Like, people that were skeptical of how this was going to change college basketball or actually become a thing, it's different because the FBI is everything the NCAA wants to be. All of the ways that the NCAA wants to be able to attain information that they can't, like subpoena power, wiretaps, and things like that, the FBI is. Like, they they can can do do whatever the hell they want. They're the FBI. And so... But the FBI doesn't play favorites either. No, but the NCAA now has... A third-party arm with more power swinging a heavier stick than they do, doing all the work for them. So if the NCAA wants to punish these schools, all they're going to have to do is read transcripts and court affidavits. But But they're going to screw it up somehow. Do they want to punish these these schools? Do you really want to screw Kansas? But they're going to. I mean, you're going to have to do something. I'll believe when I see it. Well, isn't the didn't the NCAA open investigation on Will Wade? I'm pretty sure that happened. Okay, they may screw LSU. They're not screwing Kansas. They're not screwing Arizona. Well, my larger point here is no, I, yeah, the they're FBI. going to screw this up oh, somehow. Well, that's what they do. Like, 
The NCAA, that is what they do. So this seems like such a layup where you're literally taking the ball on the edge of the rim and just tipping it into the basket. Yes, I know that's basket interference. Stick with me on the metaphor. <laughs> you have like to move this whole thing an inch to score the basket, but they're going to screw it up somehow because that's what they do. So how are they? <laughs> Grab the net, get, get some goaltending. They, man, I don't trust the NCAA one bit. I, I, I don't think – I think they may pop LSU because they have to. I think Arizona's going to stay skate. I think Kansas is going to skate just because the NCAA is incompetent, as we've seen over the past five and a half years. Boy, the FBI gave them a gift, though. I equated it yesterday on radio to the guy that, like, you have, like, a work golf scramble where it's, like, a five-man team, and you bring in a guy that, you know, used to screw around on the mini tours and is, like, a scratch golfer just to come do all the work for you. That's essentially what's happening here. But And you just kind of reap the benefits. And I don't know if the NCAA necessarily benefits from this, but if they actually want to protect amateurism, well, they got a they have a federal government entity stepping to the plate for them, which is just kind of wild to think about. Yeah, I mean, the FBI is going to bring down college basketball. I mean, if we had a, a pure NCAA tournament, is Ole Miss a one seed? I'm just trying to think here. I don't. I mean, you could bust 60, 70 schools in this thing at least. Maybe. I mean, yesterday they named that Creighton and TCU sure. are named in this. Oh, thing. Jamie Dixon. So yes. If Creighton and TCU are playing the game, who is it? <laughs> Ole Miss. Well, yeah, obviously <laughs> Ole Miss is. I'll, I'll never forget the day we, the day this originally hit in October or September 2017, whatever it was, fall of 2017. AK had a press conference and We're man, good. the the. Smug grin on his face <laughs> that day was just absolutely priceless. You don't think the FBI is investigating you just affirmative vicious is hurting? Uh, that's what I, I mean. I never asked AK this, but obviously, like, if he was ever concerned about it, I would just, I would literally call the FBI and I'd be like, hey, please come investigate. <laughs> <laughs> like, please come investigate. You think Ross me. even asked AK? No. Like, AK, anything, is there anything no, I need to worry about? <laughs> he knows how things are here. Of course, he never did. So. Will Wade is not going to be the coach of LSU next year. You don't think? Likely. No, because this. I mean, I agree, but they are throwing middle. Like Richard said, they are throwing middle fingers up in the air and not caring one bit. But and I hate to. I saw Dan Walken wrote a column yesterday, and I didn't even read the column. Dan Walken wrote tweet. something yesterday for the first time in my life. I agreed with him. Yeah, and he was his basically his premise was if LSU was headed to the NIT, all these players would be held out of action, and Will Wade would already oh, be fired. So. <laughs> Winners get treated differently. Breaking that's, news. That's why I think Will Wade's getting fired because this is happening eventually. They're just going to wait till the end of the year. Yeah. Because when they lose some of these kids to pro ball, which I'm trying to think who they would lose. Like, does not Nas Reed get drafted? I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think he needs one another year. Point being, he's done. Like, the, I think he's done after the end of the I year. I like that Will Wade got caught cheating for the guy literally from Baton Rouge. Like the guy, the kid from Baton Rouge is the one that brought him down. The one you, from your hometown that you just couldn't go get. Yeah, and he was kind of like negging the kid, too. He said it was a strong-ass offer for a two- or three-year kid. <laughs> for a kid that's not going to be a one-and-done. So, they don't bust him for getting the five-star from Orlando or the five-star from Connecticut. They get him for the guy from Baton Rouge. Yeah, that's – I mean, that's kind of ironic. It's kind <laughs> of like of all the things Hugh Freeze did, he gets busted for, you know, that of all things. So kind of some irony there, but – I guess moving on, we'll start with we'll get into some old miss stuff because that's probably what the few of you that listen 
Although the although we actually we've had a pretty good pretty good our numbers have come back pretty good for early on. So we appreciate y'all all yeah. y'all listening. That's been cool so far. I know Super Talk's been pleased, which is good because they they write our checks. Um, so that that's always good. Um, but for for those of you listening, obviously we'll get into some old Miss stuff now. We'll go to what do you want to do, basketball or baseball? I first? think ba- basketball is probably more pressing. So baseball, baseball got moved to three today for anybody that. Yes, listening. the baseball game on Friday. If you're listening to this before three p.m. on Friday, the baseball game is happening. So. 3 at, at 3 p.m. Central if you're, Standard Time. If you're listening to it after 3 p.m., the baseball game is going on. You're welcome. <laughs> or happen. Um, so we'll go basketball first. So Kermit balked at calling this a must-win after the Elish. I mean, after the loss to Kentucky. Um, with respect to Kermit, this is a must-win. Um, is it like like what? Okay, what does must-win entail? Like what? Because what what happens if you lose it? So I think if you lose it, you're backing yourself into a corner of you literally only have one opportunity left to solidify your bid. So, do you really want to... Like, I, I guess if it's not a must-win game, if you lose it, then you're facing a, a literal must-win game. I guess we're just going to... We'll, we'll have to agree to disagree here. I don't think they have to win again. I think they would be in the tournament outside a rash of bid stealers as long as they keep five players. As long as they have a team, I think they're in the NCAA tournament. Well, I think there's a chance of that, but I don't think you want to... like. Like given the way the smaller conferences tend to play out and bid stealers happening right. the way they do, I'd almost put it if they lost out, it's almost. I mean, it's probably a little more than a coin flip, but it might be a coin flip going okay. in because you never know what happens. I, I mean, we got time. We'll go through it. Here are Ole Miss is not projected in, as one of Lenardi's last eight in. I don't think. Here's my thing: the teams that are on the bubble, I don't think can catch Ole Miss, and here's the reason. Uh, you've got a, you've got a team like St. Mary's who their only tier one win is going to be against Gonzaga. If they play Gonzaga, it's going to be in the final, so they would be in the tournament anyways. Uh, Furman, Murray State, Dayton, those guys can't pick up tier one wins. So I don't know how much you can improve your resume if you don't have tier one wins. Furman can yourself. win the SoCon and Wofford well, sure. can that Okay, they could beat Wofford. You're right. Um, but if they play Wofford, they're the two seed. They're going to win the tournament. You see what I'm saying? So they're they're not going to get in that large bid. Because if they no, pick, but that's what a bid stealer is, right? No, no, I'm saying outside of a rash of bid stealers, I think Ole Miss is safe at this point. And I'm saying there's the way the conference tournaments have played out the last couple of years. I think there are going to be three or four bid stealers. I'm, I know there's no guarantee to say that, but if you don't, if you lose the last two games, yes, could Ole Miss get in? But I'm not sure what their odds are. I mean, that's and you won't tell the till you know the bid stealers are settled. The worry is the Pac-12 because there's. One team right now that could could win the tournament, and I mean, there's one team that's not a bid stealer, and that's Washington. Uh, anybody else would be stealing a bid, unless it's maybe Arizona State. So, it, it, Ole Miss is lucky from the perspective that there's not a lot of mid majors having a lot of great success this year. So, a lot of these tournaments, like the Missouri Valley, for example, usually they have at least two bids. They're one bid league this year, no matter what. So that that's something working in Ole Miss's favor. Yeah, but you also have leagues like the American where they're looking stronger and stronger by the week. Sure, but you would expect Cincy, Houston, or UCF to win that tournament. Now, the issue there is the tournament's in Memphis. I think Temple's a wild card there, so okay, is Memphis. Te- yeah, yeah, yeah. Temple Memphis. and Memphis could screw with things. Yeah, Temple's, um, I think, projected in right now. Honestly, I don't think this would happen, but USF is formidable. I don't think they could go through that tournament and win, but they're good enough to 
do it if they catch some breaks. Sure. I Man, just kind of talking. We're getting off of tracks a little bit here, but Memphis is tough in that building. Yeah, and that's why the people thought Penny would make the NCAA tournament in his first season or had a chance because of the American tournament being in Memphis. But point being, Saturday is really important yes. for Ole Miss. And if nothing else, they need to get confidence back. I mean, right. if they get to another close game and they lose it in the last couple of minutes, that's going to wear on them mentally. And it's going to become a mental thing if it hasn't become one already. As of right now, too, it's a Tier 1 win, which would obviously solidify the bid. But, yes, you're right. If it's a close game, Ole Miss needs to finish that off just from a – Man, can we actually win a close game standpoint? Because they've lost what three in a row now. Yeah, and I got asked on the on the JT show. I mean, just a few moments ago before we started recording, what like what like how and why they're losing these close games, and most of it is because they can't get stops late. But then the Kentucky game was a bit of an opposite of that. But they were expending so much energy on the defensive end that they were just gassed offensively. Like Bruce left a three short, they stopped moving the ball. You could tell they were they were. They were spent, tired. Yeah. They were they were spent and maybe a little emotionally spent too. So like, I just it, and that's what that would if I were Kermit Davis that would really worry me about this in March because I mean you're going to play close games in March. You're going to play close games if you get to the NCAA tournament and they got to be they got to find a way to be better in late games. They got to find a way to get stops. Yeah, um, but I don't really know what you do because like on. On against Tennessee, Ole Miss played about as good a defense as you could on Grant Williams. Now against Arkansas, I mean, you give up a lob and you give up a layup. That was that was pretty inexcusable. And turn it over offensively yeah. twice to end the game. Oof. Yeah, you don't even get the ball past half court against Arkansas. You were really good. I mean, you got a little bit of car up across half court against Tennessee. So yeah, uh, it's a it it's a game that look Ole Miss has had four chances to win one game to punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. And if they don't take advantage of this one, you've got one game guaranteed. And if you lose that, you're going to be sweating until Sunday. When, while I, I think they'd still be in, it's not going to be a comfortable for, position for sure. No. And, I mean, if they lose that, you could very well end up having another home game. <laughs> Fair enough. One seed in the NIT. But I, I think Ole Miss will win. But it's not – like, Missouri hasn't quit. Geist has kind of come into his own. Yeah, well, they played really well. He's a great Wednesday player. They night. beat the hell out of Georgia earlier Who had this week. Just beaten Florida, which was weird. But I think I, I think Georgia, I think Georgia kind of was like, you know what? We got our tangible evidence. We're improving. We got that win. We're good. Yeah, <laughs> let's hit the weights in the off season. <laughs> but so well, they're not going to hit the weights of Georgia because Green's cutting all of them. Yeah, and they had like that. I saw a photo of him like posing with they had like five or six seniors and they're like, gone. It's just dripping with back. irony because like you know he doesn't want any of them there. Like he was probably pumped senior night finally came around. Um, so it really is a must win game. It's, it, 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 I think I think the teams, I think their confidence is beginning to slip a little because two out of the three games they've played good basketball and have nothing to show for it. Yeah. Yeah, um, so it, like you said, it's it's a game that solidifies your your uh, ticket to the NCAA tournament, and almost has like there's not much more to say. Oh, uh, Kim Palm has got him at fifty four percent to win the game. That was before Missouri played Georgia on Wednesday. I don't know how that's changed since then. It's probably changed with Georgia or Missouri winning by forty at Georgia. So. It's basically a coin flip, but you would think that Ole Miss being the better team and having so much to play for would give them a little bit more motivation than Missouri. Yeah, and I mean, 
hot take here, but like they need to get off to a good start. Like that's going to be a really dangerous scenario where if they come out flat and Missouri gets up fourteen to like twelve four or something like that, and you're playing behind out of the gate. Yeah, because I mean. It's hard to catch up on a team uh, on the road, especially on senior day. They're not going to – somehow those shots magically go in on senior day. The guy that shoots 28% from three, he'll shoot four of ten on Saturday or even close to five or six of ten. So, uh, yeah, you want to get out to a fast start. I said the same thing at Arkansas. I said, you know, Arkansas might quit if you get out up, up on them. And don't miss his credit. They did. I was wrong, though. Arkansas didn't lay down. Arkansas, give Mike Anderson some credit. They've played well recently. They figured it out, but they kind of figured it out a couple games. Like they, yeah, it's over. They they were they got off to what the one and four start in league play, then battled back and got either two five hundred or somewhere right around it. One in Baton Rouge. Yeah, one in Baton Rouge, and then they hit a bad stretch that kind of sunk their season. <laughs> you know, they lost to what they lost to South Carolina. They lost at home to A and M. Like that really what's they cut. lost five in a row going to the Ole Miss game. They're not a bad team. There's enough talent there with Harris and obviously Gafford and a couple of those other guys. Like they're not they're not this team that like they lost a lot from that NCAA tournament team last year, but they're not a team that's like completely devoid of talent. They just couldn't really piece things together too late. But yeah, Missouri hasn't quit. Ole Miss really going to have their hands full. But if they win, most of the stress is alleviated. and Not stress, certainty is alleviated, I would say, because they're going to the NCAA tournament with a win. How much does an NCAA tournament um, change the narrative of this season versus the NIT? Um, I think pretty greatly because I think – like there, you couldn't have had any expectations if you were an Ole Miss fan coming in the season. You were projected to finish 14th. You had a new coach. It's this largely the same team that won 12 games a year ago. So, but to get that close to the summit and fall down instead of getting over the edge is going to be disappointing and underwhelming to some. And I think some people will have a hard time processing the big picture of what actually the team accomplished, even if they don't get in. Yeah. Because you're well, what's going to happen is if they, they, they don't end up getting in and they slip down the stretch, like, I mean, I already know it's going to get written. It's going to be Andy Kennedy did this. <laughs> Andy Kennedy did this almost every year. Like you get you get to, you get into February or March and Which, then you just collapse. I don't know if it's fair to write it, but that is true. It's not fair in year one if this happens. I mean, we're projecting way down this the is line. Kind of if this similar, happens in year four, year five again. That it's probably a little fair. It would be similar to AK's first year, though. Like I'm not comparing the two and saying that's where the programs are headed, but this is kind of that is kind of exactly what happened in AK's first year. Yeah, that team was never that close though. Like they were never beating that Florida was team that not on the, Saturday. The uh, was that not the team that got beat by Georgia in the SEC tournament? No, so that was his next year. Uh, okay. AK's first team ever ran into they were playing really well at That's the end right. of the year and ran in got to the semifinals of the SEC tournament Brewer. and it was the second of Florida's back to back national titles and just got absolutely popped. I know that because I was at the game. Um <laughs> Yeah, that was Noah and Brewer. They Horford. were good. Was Horford on that team? I think yes, Al Horford was. I don't actually I don't know if he was on the second team. I know obviously he was on the first. Um but yeah, so I don't think it's necessarily fair, but I think for optics sake, like a win Saturday would just kind of polish off the season. And I know I mentioned this a little bit on Wednesday's podcast, but it's the 20th win. You finish above 500 in the SEC and you solidify a bid. Like if, if there's like, like if the season needs like a wax or shine to it to finish it off, like Saturday is essentially that. And, and the worry to me is if you lose on Saturday, you're in the 8 9 game versus one of the following Mississippi State, Alabama, or Arkansas. I'm rooting whatever result doesn't have me in Bridgestone Arena at midnight in uh, that uh, 8 p.m. Well, game. The th- here's the thing you're either going to be there at 
12 or 2.30. So more than likely, because Auburn's not beating Tennessee, right? 12 or 2.30? Yeah. I'm going to get an early game? If they lose, you're certainly going to get an early game. And if they win and Auburn loses, you're going to get the 2.30 game because they're going to be the five seed. Well, if I end up with the late game, there will be no more Rebel Report because I'm going to kill somebody. <laughs> Might be me. Um, but you don't want to be at Bridgestone at 12 a.m.? I've done it, what, I guess it's second or I can't, third last year. They've got it every year. Well, they weren't. They, they were in that first four like last year. So I, didn't go, I didn't go last year. I, I skipped not. it in, in St. Louis just because there wasn't a whole lot there except to like – there was nothing there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, AK was calling the game, so <laughs> that's where the season was. Yeah, so like, yeah, I mean, it was there was not so anyway. But they get it every year. They yeah. get the late game every single year. I they don't do because they played Arkansas in seventeen in the late game. Well, they played Missouri first and then Arkansas. I'm trying to think sixteen. I can't remember. Oh, sixteen. They played Alabama in it. Yeah, I'm ADD as is, and so I'm sitting there like I was in my hotel room the night. Uh, like the day of going into that in seventeen or sixteen, like when they were playing Missouri, waiting around all day. Then they win, and I have to wait around all day doing nothing again. And like, there's only so much you can do. And I like tried to walk up and down Broadway. Like, you can only do that so many times. And you can only like, it's I guess not like I can partake to, in the fun on Broadway when I have an eight p.m. tip to cover. Well, so I, like, I guess you could have just gone to the arena and watched the basketball. Yeah, no, I don't. I'm already going to be there for like working. I don't want to just. Yeah, no. So I'm hoping to get an early game. I'm hoping like you know cover the game. Maybe like go somewhere cool, eat eat at a restaurant at a normal hour, do normal people stuff in Nashville instead but, of being up till two a.m. Yeah, that doesn't matter though. No one cares what what what, what inconveniences me with my tip off time. So transitioning to baseball, Ole Miss plays UAB this weekend. Um, I don't know a ton about UAB. I know they Makes played a close game with uh, Mississippi State and played close with Alabama. Um, I'm assuming Graham Ashcraft is going to pitch on the weekend in one of these. I would think he threw well against State. I don't know. So you have an SEC no, caliber power yeah. arm, yeah, UAB. State, yeah. And you know, don't know a ton about them. They have one of the coolest mascots in all of Ron Polk college is there. sports. I know that. Yeah, um, I, I, Ron Polk is not the mascot I was referring to, <laughs> but the dragon is pretty sweet. Um, but Probably a weekend where you're. I mean, is, a rotation? Is, isn't this it with Zach Phillips? I mean, have we seen a rotation? Is he in it? I would. I, no, I haven't seen it released yet, but I, I would assume. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, I think if Phillips doesn't pitch well, Doug Nikhazy is going to take his spot next week because Doug Nikhazy was really good against East Carolina. And we're not going to get too much into East Carolina. You've probably seen it by now. Ole Miss didn't get a hit for 8.2 innings. If you're that kid, though, just. just Going back to it for a second, you got to throw strikes to Michael Fitzsimmons, right? Like you can't walk, walk Michael Fitzsimmons. No offense to him, but you can't face Thomas Dillard there. Yeah, honestly, it got to the point. I've never seen a no hitter in person. I covered a game this summer in Ohio. Um, uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon, the kid, got drilled in the skull with the ball and made oh, the comeback. Yeah, yeah. Took a no hitter to the eighth inning against the Reds uh, and got it broken up. So Saturday, uh, Wednesday's ECU. Uh, was Cooch Maynard's Cooch name? Maynard, sure. Was the closest I've ever seen Throwing to 84. one. Gets an out away. It's a strike away, really. Yeah, Obviously, yeah, Dillard a, lines one. The, I mean, you've seen the game by now. That kind of had its shelf life. But um, if there's anything from, to take from that, though, it's – can almost hit lefties? Uh, how about junk baller lefties? I just think lefties in general. Because they didn't hit Long Beach. Long Beach is lefties. No, they're not good against lefties, and that they're going to have to – they're going to have to. I mean, I don't. I don't. What do you? I've I've never seen. Like, obviously, they're teams that like their players 
in baseball of all levels that face lefties better than righties, righties better than lefties, vice versa. But I've never – this is one of the more dramatic cases I've seen. Yeah, they're really, really good against righties and really, really bad against lefties right now. I got good news for them, though. What? UAB starting three right-handers this week. Well, they're probably going to win all three. And uh, score eight ooh, runs. Ray Falk is starting Saturday. No, he's not. I'm just kidding. Jesus. It's, 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 it's Will Etheridge, Zach Phillips, Gunnar Hoagland in that order. <laughs> I've got oh, a heart condition, and you're out here telling me Ray Falk's going to start. <laughs> I'll have a chance Mike Bianco listens to this. He probably would not have been happy with that. If but. Mike Bianco listened to this, you would have had a talking to by now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably true. But yeah, so they, they, but they, they they do struggle badly against lefties, and I, I think that's proved itself time and time again. I don't have their lefty righty splits, but it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if UAB brings a lefty out of the bullpen, it's going to be interesting. It's, they're starting three righties, so they got kind of lucky from that aspect. But just from this weekend, you're kind of looking maybe to get Greg Kessinger going a little bit before conference play. And I talked about this, I think, with Ben on on his podcast. They got to get an answer between Tim Elko and Chase Cockrell or Mike, Michael Fitzsimmons. One of them has to, and Michael uh, Fitzsimmons has not had the at bats that that's fair enough to deem this. But they're getting nothing out of that spot right now. I think Jacob Adams is going to play second. I think Anthony Ceridio is going to play right for some god for second reason. It's because, huh? Ryan and Lennox are center fielder. That's yeah. the answer you get. <laughs> you can't you can't move him from there. Um, so you're going to have one of those DH, and somebody's got to an answer because Elko's not hitting right now. Cockrell's not hitting right now. Fitzsimmons hasn't had the at-bats he probably deserves at this point. So I'm interested to see if Fitzsimmons gets a bunch of at-bats this weekend. I think you play – if you're looking for answers, you play Adams every day, you DH Fitzsimmons, and you play um, Servidio in the outfield. Yep. That's probably what you got. I mean, look, I – not to, like, overly crap on the kid, but doesn't it feel like with Cockrell this is just kind of – it is what it is. He doesn't hit breaking balls. Uh, I, I still kind of tend to believe in Tim Elko. I think he's pressing. I think he's a good hitter. I think he's pressing too hard, too. I think that will eventually figure itself out to some degree. But with Cockrell... He struggled at the end of last year. I mean, it. last year was, Why would you throw him a fastball at this point? Well, because you can't throw your breaking ball in the strike zone. I mean, these are college pitchers. But, yeah, I mean, you're you're right. Like, it's... Like I, I'm a big numbers guy, and batting average on balls in play going into the midweek, Cockrell had a 400 batting average on balls in play. Okay, that means 40 percent of the time when he puts the ball in play, he gets a hit. He had a 200 batting average. Got to put the ball in play. <laughs> well, when you're striking out 50 percent of the time, it's not going to help your batting average. And they're a hyper, and this is this works to their benefit most of the time. But they're a hyper aggressive team at the they plate are. in their approach, like and you very can't change that, very aggressive. Yeah, you can't change that because you can't start screwing with that. But when you have a guy, because uh, I mean, we, we, like when you you, Kuchmaner said it. I'm struggling to remember his name. Kuchmaner said it in post game. He said we went in there and worked a lot of changeups away because we knew they were going to be aggressive. So I think part of their problem is is when they face and it is left handed pitching in general, but when they particularly when they face these soft tossing lefties, that aggression is working to their detriment. Right, but what do you do when they're throwing strikes? You can't just sit there and take it, can you? You could bunt, <laughs> Ron. Do you want me to leave? You can bunt. <laughs> you, want me to, you want me to get up here and walk? Well, get out here and bunting walk? against Ole Miss works because they don't well, want to yeah. give you that. They don't want to take the out that you're giving them. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but that is, that is, so they're, they're a really aggressive team at the plate, and that works to their benefit most of the time. But so, I think. 
Don't you think teams eventually, and it, obviously this like it, it requires throwing your off-speed stuff for strikes a lot, which, like you said, college pitchers can't always do. I mean, they're pro pitchers that can't do that either a lot. But don't you think they're going to see more and more of teams trying to use that aggression against them? Oh, absolutely. That's what Tennessee Tech Tennessee Tech did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's how you would have to approach Ole Miss. Now, that being said, to use that aggression against them, you've got to come in the strike zone. Because Ole Miss is pretty decent about not swinging your pitches out of the strike zone. They are, namely Outside Thomas Dillard. Yeah, yeah, Thomas Dillard. He, here's the thing. If Thomas Dillard strikes out looking, the umpire got it wrong. It's, it's pretty much that simple. So, yeah, you got to come in the strike zone, and if you come in the strike zone, this team has a propensity to uh, waylay you. So, three games this weekend, I think you'll figure out I mean, if there is going to be a change in the rotation, it is going to be after this weekend. Like yeah. this is you. You thought it might. You might see something if if like last week they everyone just kind of held their place. I guess like yeah. they were good enough to where there wasn't enough to warrant a change. But with Doug Nikhazy outside of one pitch being really good against ECU, I thought he, if that was if that ends up being an audition or something uses evidence for him to eventually slide into a weekend role, I thought he acquitted himself very well. Yeah, I think he's going to get another audition on Tuesday at Louisville. So against another really good team. See, I think if my if Bianco and I, this, you may end up being right, but I think if they come to the decision after this weekend to put him in the weekend, I think they hold him out and just let him throw. Um, well, I get what you're saying, but you're going to give him a week and a half off. That's hard. He could go out of the pen. I guess this weekend. But that's that's not it's not really a Through. week and a half. Well, I guess it is. So I, I think you go out of the pen, but I don't think Mike. I don't think. I don't think Bianca would be scared to to give him a week and a half off. I don't think that's like when he's weighing all of his options. I think like basing off his past history, I would think that he just holds him out. I don't, I'm not saying that pitching him in the midweek doesn't make more sense because it probably does. But I think if they decide this weekend to slide Nikazian, that you don't see him at least not starting against Louisville. Okay, well then that begs the question though: Who does start? Fowler and Caleb Hill? Okay, Caleb Hill. He needs more innings too. So he's not comfortable out there, but he's got the best. He's got the best stuff on the team. Speaking of not comfortable, Jordan Fowler, he's not going to pitch meaningful innings for Ole Miss this year. It doesn't look like. I mean, Mike basically said that he, it'd probably be a good idea for him to pitch better, right after the game on Tuesday. I asked Mr. Bianco a question about. Well, he made it four and a third innings, and yeah. I just said, I basically four asked, no "Is there anything you could take from this?" And Mike gave me the, "Well, we want him to pitch better." <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, Nikhazy, to his credit, he wanted him to get some zeros, and he did. I thought Nikhazy pitched well. I mean, he yeah, had he seven strikeouts, one walk, swing and miss stuff was there like it had been all year. You know, he leaves a breaking ball up that the guy crushes into the bullpen for a three-run home run. But outside of that one sequence, he was pretty good. And even on the, the single and the double, I didn't think he pitched either one of those previous no, two at-bats poorly. The no, kid he, just, was, he got him to two strikes. ECU's um, got legit hitters. Oh, ECU's a top 25 team for a reason now. But – Another thing that probably needs to get addressed this weekend is what is Ole Miss going to do in the closers role? Because I still think Parker Crazy's the closer, but we're close to SEC play, and he's not had his best stuff yet. But I don't think they make a change at this point yet. Like I think he's oh, going to have to blow. No, I'm not saying like I, I know I know you weren't saying there was a change coming this weekend, but but since it's nothing like. Like if his like if Crazy's velocity was like at like 87 or something like that, you might see you. They might be prompted to to look more seriously at that or if it's like you know he's walking every, you know two out of three hitters he's facing well, you say that but they just kept trotting dallas wolfolk out there last year 
just kept trotting them out there because you couldn't get anybody out. They did. But my point being, I no, guess, because right. it's so it's there's no major tangible issue to point at Caracy and be like, that's what's playing him. He just hasn't been that good. And so I think he and I, I'm not sure. I guess what I'm trying to say is if Mike Bianco has a worry list of this team, I think that's probably last not last on it. But of the t- of the worries, it's pretty far down, don't you think? Yeah, yeah I agree. But I, well, I guess my larger point was is he needs to pitch well from a confidence standpoint. Because you're a week away from SEC play. And now, in fairness to Ole Miss, there's only been, what, three save opportunities in the first 11 games or so? The three down at Tulane. So, I can't really recall another one. But, yeah, I mean, they didn't get him in in the midweek. Did he pitch? Yeah, he pitched. He really didn't technically pitch an inning because he didn't record but one out uh, against Long Beach. Uh, and he pitched two innings against Tulane. So, he's not thrown that much. So, Ole Miss needs to get him some work at absolute minimum. Yeah, so a lot to look forward to this weekend. A lot of stuff with baseball and basketball. Pretty important weekend for for both programs in in different respects. Like baseball, you're just kind of finally tuning up before you get into SEC play. Basketball, obviously, you know, season's on the line in the next week. So we'll have coverage for you that this weekend at supertalk.fm. We'll be back at you on the Rebel Report podcast on Monday. We appreciate y'all listening to us. We are growing quicker than we thought. So share it with your friends um, if you want to punish them. But we appreciate y'all listening, and we'll y'all have a good weekend. We'll be back at it Monday. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.